Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked soul, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you lovely faces. When did we get the actor from The Chosen doing our announcements? <laughs> Just kidding. There's my joke for the day. You're welcome. No, but good to be here. Uh, still on baby watch. Uh, my poor wife watching at home. Love you. Um, she is hopefully in her last week. We'll see. I, th- I said that last week. So... The plan is if her water breaks during service, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to high-five through the aisles as we, as we go. So that'll be the plan. But uh, good to be here. Every opportunity again is a blessing to be able to, to come up and, and share the, what the Word says and, and what the Lord is speaking, I think, uh, to all of us in a powerful way. Um, it's always a, a fun thing, but it's a humbling thing to be able to do. It never, never gets easier from that regard to do this. But um, let me ask you a question before I, I dive into this. I like to set the stage with a question, get our, get our brain juices flowing here a little bit. How many of you guys have ever done something you regret doing? <laughs> Only like a third of you raised your hands. How many of you guys actually did something you regret doing in the past? Thank you. This, this is a place of authenticity and, and genuine. Okay. Okay. He's like, yeah, don't ask too many questions, right? That's, that's, uh, that's the way to get around that. I think we've all done things, obviously, that we have regretted doing. And how many of you know that even in the sins of the past, God covers those up with his blood, right? That, that our sins are forgiven because of even, even the things we've done in the past, those horrendous things that we've done to people or even to ourselves is, is forgiven, in the blood of Christ, and that concludes my sermon. Um, that would be good enough, probably, right? That would be, yeah. You're welcome. Best sermon ever. Um, but the question is, though, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? You know, we can intellectually grapple with the idea of, yes, Jesus covers all my sins, and yes, my past is forgiven, but there's times in our walk where we don't feel like that's true, isn't it? Where intellectually we, we know it, right? We're like, yes, the Bible says it and I believe it. But what about those moments where we were like, boy, I don't know if I feel forgiven. How are we supposed to function in that place where we don't feel forgiven? Even may, we may know we're forgiven. And, and you've probably had this happening before. I know I have. If you haven't, you probably haven't walked with the Lord long enough and you will. So either this is something you're going to be using right now or you're going to put it in your back pocket and use it for later. But I want to show you from the Psalms how we can relate to God when the times are coming when we don't feel forgiven. When we're wondering, God, I know you covered up my sins and I know you forgave me. I believe that, but boy, it sure doesn't feel that way. You guys been there? Pete has. Amen. Okay. Talk to a few of you out there. Good. This is pick on Pete day. Um, but as a, as a believer, there's really nothing that makes you feel more like a hypocrite and a fraud 
than when you don't feel forgiven and you're working out of this place of shame, guilt, condemnation. I mean, we, we just don't feel very strong in that moment. We don't feel very confident in that moment. We, we really just feel like what Jesus did was that grace that you gave us sufficient. And so I want to hit on that today. I want to teach you and, and talk about from the Psalms how we can combat that, how we can stand firm in those moments where we don't even feel forgiven because of the things that have crept into our lives from the past. Because a lot of times we know we're forgiven from our past, but we don't forget the past, right? The things that have happened to us, the things that we've done to people, it's hard to forget those things even years after we know we've been forgiven. So how do we, as believers, kind of put ourselves in a position to be successful and, and to understand how we can combat those lies when we don't feel forgiven? Because I, I don't know about you, but the last thing you want to hear in those moments is some Christianese cliche thing like, it's okay, like God forgives you. You're like, great, I know that, but I don't feel that way, right? So how do we relate to God in these moments? Well, I'm going to read from Psalm 85. Psalm 85 is going to be our text today. So if you'll follow along either on your, your screens or on, in your Bibles, I'm going to look at Psalm 85. So just, um, just kind of listen as I read this text and let the Lord speak to you. Lord, you've been kind to your land. You've changed Jacob's circumstances for the better. You've forgiven your people's wrongdoing. You've covered all their sins. You've stopped being furious. You've turned away from your burning anger. You, the God who can save us, restore us. Stop being angry with us. Will you be mad at us forever? Will you prolong your anger from one generation to the next? Won't you bring us back to life again so that your people can rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord. Give us your salvation. Let me hear what the Lord God says because he speaks peace to his people and to his faithful ones. Don't let them return to foolish ways. God's salvation is very close to those who honor him, so that his glory can live in our land. Faithful love and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the ground. Righteousness gazes down from heaven. Yes, the Lord gives what is good, and our land yields its produce. Righteousness walks before God, making a road for his steps. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray that you will open up our hearts and minds to what you want to speak to us. Lord, let me not draw from my, my well, but we want to draw from your well, God. We want to understand how we can relate to you, how we can, can believe and, and trust you in the moments where we just don't feel forgiven where we, don't, we can't observe and see your faithfulness in these moments. Lord, show us how we are to function as believers in these times. Lord, teach us your ways. Teach us what we can, how we can walk in these moments. And challenge us, Lord, to know how to trust you when it doesn't feel right to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, Amen. So, I'm going to walk you through a few instances here in Psalm 85 that I think help us to equip us and how we can function when God's forgiveness just doesn't feel there, or we don't feel forgiven. 
And as you may notice, I have some of my boys' blocks with me today. I raided their toy chest. Um, although I will admit that I often play with these. Um, I'm just being real. But, um, you know, I want to show you and I want to demonstrate something to you that I think is very impactful and something that Israel did quite often because the first thing in doing in these moments, first thing you need to remember in these moments is that feeling forgiven begins in remembering God's faithfulness. Okay, so put yourself in these shoes where you're sitting there going, boy, I, the past is raging to the surface of your mind. You're like, boy, I don't know if God could ever really forgive me for what I've done in the past. And this is how you combat this. The first is remembering God's faithfulness. Because the war at first is in the mind, right? This is where the war starts is you start sitting in the past and this is where the shame and guilt and condemnation begin to to bring that into your life and they begin it begins to dictate your actions and and I'm going to talk more about that but in Israel's day in the early post-exilic times so this was Moses and Joshua what did they do to rem- to if you guys remember what did they do so that others would remember God's faithfulness they sang they did that's true you could also sing. That's a good idea. I should put that in the sermon. What else did they do? Yeah, they made markers or altars to remember God's faithfulness. Okay, and so your whole life is really a witness to how faithful God is. Have you ever looked at your life that way? That where you go and what you do is really a, a witness of the faithfulness of God. So in Moses and Joshua's day, when God would do something amazing, a miracle of whatnot, they would start building these altars so that the generations would remember that God did something faithful here in these moments. And look what the psalmist does in Psalm 85. In those first three verses, we get a past tense look at the things God has done that are faithful. Lord, you've been kind to your land. How many of you guys know that that God is kind? That as Rachel even said it, God's kindness brings us to change, brings us to repentance. That it wasn't out of this hatred that God brings us to repentance. It's out of his kindness. What did the Lord do in your life that was kind when you may have deserved unkindness? When maybe if you were in charge, you would have been more unkind in those moments. And you build a little block. Remember the faithfulness when God was kind in your life. It says, you've changed Jacob's circumstances for the better. When has he changed the circumstance for the better in your life? Do you remember when he changed the circumstances in your life? Now, Brian Manchur knows that I'm very dangerous with creative art on this, at the pulpit, so you'll have to ask him that story one day. So you add... A remembrance to that block. Okay, when, think about that. When has he changed the circumstance for the better? It says, you've forgiven your people's wrongdoing. When did he forgive you? When did you experience the forgiveness of God in your life? You can put another block on your altar. Save that one. So you have a metaphorical altar 
that you can look to and, and the idea of remembering God's faithfulness. Rather than remembering the past deeds, remembering the sin that is trying to bring in the shame, guilt, and condemnation, remember first the faithfulness of God. This is what the psalmist is doing. He's talking the past tense, starting this psalm off saying, I remember these times when you were kind. I remember these times when I was forgiven. I remember these times when you changed the circumstances of our lives. We remember what you did in Egypt, God. We remember what you did when you took us out of slavery, God. We remember what you did when you made our land plentiful, God. You were kind to us. You forgave us. And then this, the psalmist has a really interesting take in verse 3. He says, you stopped being furious. You've turned away from your burning anger. This, this idea is not, we, we have to get the cartoony God out of our head of this, like this lightning bolt God that's like, I'm striking down these people. This, this idea of the psalmist is more this idea of, of turning away from people. It's, it's this idea of presence more than anything else. Don't remove your presence. Don't stop looking at us. We want to see you face to face rather than being turned away. So he's talking about you didn't remove your presence from us, and we remember this. We know that you are with us, God. When was a time in your life where you experienced the presence of God in your life? Do these things, are they as pivotal as a, a living altar that you can go and look at in your life, or is the shame, guilt, and condemnation of the past dictating your life? Feeling forgiven begins in remembering the faithfulness of God. We must hold tight to that, because what that does in those moments of not feeling forgiven is it puts us into a place where we're starting to look at the Lord rather than the past. Because as believers, we know that when we start looking at the past, that starts dictating our actions for the future. It starts redefining our present of who we are. And the past starts to win back what God has won back for him. And so we must remember in these moments that the place we go to when the past is hitting us with the sin that we've done in the past, the hurt that we brought in the past, we remember what God has done in the past. And we hold tight to that posture with him first. This isn't taking our eyes off of the sin that we've done in the past that's hurt people. And we keep our eyes fixated on Jesus that wants to persevere us for the future. Now, this is really talking more about those things that we know we're forgiven from. There might be things right now that you're struggling with in the present that still need to be brought to the Lord. And that's something you need to deal with right away. But the things in the past will always creep up. It's hard to forget the things you've done. While God doesn't hold those against you because of Christ, we hold them against ourselves, right? It's hard for us not to function in those, those areas, but it starts with remembering the faithfulness of God. You're putting yourself in a position that recognizes that God is faithful, an important truth that we hold to. And we really see this exemplified in our Christ, in our Messiah, Jesus and the promised Holy Spirit. How I many of you guys know that it wasn't our faithfulness that saved us? It was Jesus' faithfulness that saved us. We're going to talk more about that. And then he promised us his presence in the Holy Spirit to be here with us. 
He didn't leave us alone. He left us with a power of God himself. So when a past is brought up or things happen that we get triggered by our past, we must stop. That's a good biblical thing to do. Don't work out of that craziness of past hurt. Stop, pause, take a breath, and spend time remembering the times God was faithful. Write them down. Talk to somebody who was maybe a part of that as well. A lot of times God is faithful in in moments where there's many of us, and, and you just discuss those things. You remember when God did that amazing thing last week? Man, that was awesome. Talk about those things. Write them out. Get in a place where you're thinking about God's faithfulness rather than the things that have hurt you or the things you've done to hurt people in the past. And then that leads into the second idea here, pressing into the Lord rather than pulling away. This puts us in a place where we can press into the Lord rather than pull away. Because what happens is I'm going to bring this really clean rag up that I brought what happens is we have this altar, these things that God tangibly did in reality for us that are faithful. And what happens when our past or even our hurts come in, it kind of covers those up, doesn't it? They're still there. They didn't get removed, but boy, they're sure hard to see. They're sure hard to remember when they're covered up by the past sins, the shame, guilt, condemnation of the past. So what happens in that moment, we don't remember what God has done. We don't remember his faithfulness. We're kind of confused by it and become very disoriented, don't we? This is where a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ will begin to pull away rather than pushing in because in their mind, in that feeling of unforgiveness, you just don't feel like you can go to the Lord. This is what defines in my mind, someone who is equipped in the Lord rather than someone who's unequipped because they start to kind of get into their own head. They start to make, a, they start to make changes in their life that maybe aren't exactly what God wants to do. They, they become sporadic and afraid and kind of all over the place. Who's been there? Who's made changes in this time where you're like, boy, that was not a good idea because you're so afraid you can't see the faithfulness of God. It's been clouded by the pain and the hurt of the past. This can be a dark place. I've seen Christians go deeper into sin during this time. Rather than pushing in to the Lord, they pull away and they start trying to figure it out on their own and they go deeper into sin rather than pressing into the Lord. This is why the first step is so important in remembering God's faithfulness. Because we remember that even in the clouded shame and guilt and condemnation that happens when it comes up, we know God's faithfulness is still there, right? Even though it's hard to see, it's hard to feel, we know it's still there. The reality is that it's still there. And you see the psalmist even in verses 4, he goes into the present text. So he's remembering the things of God's faithfulness. He then goes into the present sense. He goes, You, the God who can save us, restore us. I don't feel forgiven, God. You can save us. You can restore us. And then we go into this idea of presence again, this turning away from us, because that's how it feels, doesn't it? This idea of like, ah, did you turn your face from me, God, in the moment where you don't feel forgiven? You guys ever cried out, where are you, God? I know you've done things in the past. Where are you? 
He says, stop being angry with us. Will you be mad at us forever? Isn't that how it feels? That you, you're getting these things from the past. You're like, God, are you mad at me? Why, did this, why is all this coming back again into my, my mind and in my life? Will you prolong your anger from generation to generation? Isn't that how it feels? This is going to last forever? Won't you bring us back to life again? I think the psalmist captures the heart of the one who doesn't feel forgiven in these moments. Where are you? Are you mad at me? Bring me back to the place where I used to remember your faithfulness. Because I can't remember it right now. It's clouded in the things of the past. And we see this really exemplified in Jesus' words on the cross. Where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you turned your face away from me? So we can understand that in these moments where it's clouded, it feels like we are forsaken. We feel like our our life has been a lie in some way or another. We know that we have a Lord who can empathize with us, don't we? And he himself hung on the cross, dying, understood what it felt like to be, God, did you forsake me? Why have you left your presence? Why do you not feel like you're here anymore? Because that's exactly how it feels when we don't feel forgiven, right? This is why pushing into the Lord rather than pulling away is so important. Because when we push into him and we don't pull away, we recognize that only he can save us. Only he can restore us. Look what the psalmist says. He points to God. Only you can do this. Because in those moments, we try to do it, right? We try to make the decisions that are best for us. We try to get into a place where we can feel God again. This is how religion started. Because people were like, I don't feel God, so I got to do a bunch of stuff to try to feel him again. But the psalmist says, no, you, God, this relationship that we have is the only way I can be saved, is the only way that I can be restored to the place where I remember his faithfulness again. And that's what I want to ask you. Is that your posture when you don't feel forgiven? Are you pushing in going, I don't know and understand this. This is scary. I can't remember your faithfulness anymore, but I trust you. And I know that you can do it. Or do you pull away and go, I'm going to try to do this myself through my abilities, through my good works, try to cover up some of these hard feelings with good deeds. Pushing into the Lord requires faith. Pushing into God is a proclamation of faith that is observable and seen. Again, Jesus is a good example always. That's always the right answer here. Look at Jesus in in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example. He's in those moments where really, if you think about the life of Jesus, this is one of the main areas where you ever think, if he's going to falter, it's going to be right here. He knows exactly what's coming to him. 
imagine knowing exactly what you're about to go through, like Jesus knew exactly what he was about to go through with the, with the, with the whipping and the hitting and the, and the crown of thorns and the crucifixion, knowing all that was going to happen the next 24 hours. I think I'd probably say the same thing, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this anymore. How many of you, when you're not feeling forgiven, when the past is creeping into your life, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the lies, and you say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. If you're honest, you've you've said that a lot. But what does Jesus say here? His faithfulness is shown, not my will, God, but your will be done. And in the moments where we don't feel forgiven, it's easy to fall into our will because we're like, God, I just don't trust you to get me through this. That's ultimately what we're saying. But Jesus is saying, ah, I know this is, I'm going to eat a whole lot of suck here, but I really got to push into you. I have to push into you in order to see your will be done. On the contrast side, we see most of the disciples. And we put ourselves in this category where they saw God's faithfulness revealed in Jesus, didn't they? For years, they saw God's faithfulness. Every single day they walked places, God was doing amazing things. Their altars would have been up to the ceiling with the faithfulness of God that they saw. All it took was Jesus being arrested for most of them to scatter. Peter, that same night, he was like, I'll never leave you, God. What did he do? He abandoned him and denied him three times. He pulled away. They pulled away from God because of what was happening in the present. And that's where we see that the psalmist even going in verse four, that the idea of like, you will restore us because Peter was restored. Amen. The disciples were restored. Well, most of them. They were restored when they pulled away because of the fear and the guilt and the shame that scared them away from the presence of God. Those who push into the Lord will see God's faithful, faithful love and salvation. You see how he ends this section of the psalm. He says, show us your faithful love, Lord. Give us your salvation. Pushing into him requires a great amount of faith, but through the end of that, you will see a faithful love that you didn't even realize was there. That your deeper understanding of God will grow when you get through that hard time. When you get through the shame and guilt and condemnation, when you push into him, when you say, God, your will be done. Even when it doesn't feel good to do, you will see a faithful love and a salvation at the end of that. We see that, again, demonstrated in Christ with with the crucifixion and death of Jesus. Nobody I always think about that Saturday in between resurrection and death, right? That's, that's when we meet. So I think about that in Utah County a lot when I preach. They must have been scared out of their minds that Saturday night. Like, think of like everything you've invested in for the last three years. Like, you're like, I put all of my chips into Jesus as the Messiah and he just died. That wasn't supposed to happen. I don't know if any of us understand that kind of fear and uncertainty, and confusion that they must have went through. But getting through that, they saw a faithful love of God in the resurrection, didn't they? 
that what he was saying, that I will be back, that he was faithful and he promised, his promises came true. Not only that, but he brought with him a salvation for all who believe. So pushing into the Lord, understanding that what God has said can sometimes be hard to fathom. The promises he made can be hard to hold on to, especially when, our faith, when things that we remember of his faithfulness are covered up by the shame and guilt of the past. We know that pushing into him will reap a faithful fruit. And that leads into the last part. That because of this faithfulness, we get to see and observe that in Christ, we will be restored. Because how many of you know grace, the grace of God is not an intellectual, philosophical idea. It is something that is real and tangible and a reality in our world. That it's seen and observed. So when we highlight God's faithfulness from the past rather than our own sin, we, we set our minds in the right direction. We're centered around God's faithfulness in Christ. When we press into him in faith, rather than pull away in fear, guilt, shame, we align to him, right? The demonstration that is Christ of his faithfulness, of pushing in rather than pulling away, we, we get a, a demonstration of what it looks like to be faithful, And then we get to see and observe a full and real restoration, the promises of Christ. And that's what the Christian life holds to is the hope and promises that are in Christ. Amen? The hope and promises that are in Christ we can see and observe. And he ends the psalm. He says, let me hear what the Lord God says, because he speaks peace to his people and to his faithful ones. Don't let them return to foolish ways. God's salvation is very close to those who honor him so that his glory can live in our land. See how these are observable. Faithful love and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the ground. Righteousness gazes from the heaven, down from heaven. Yes, the Lord gives what is good and our land yields its produce. Righteousness walks before God, making a road for his steps. That when we are pushing in, in the times where it's most difficult to push in, we will get to see a peace to the people who are faithful. How many of you know this world needs a lot more peace? How many of you know it needs more empowered people of faith living out that peace? This is observable, seen, and influential in this world. Are people who have been through the fires of faith and understand that come out and go, boy, what do I ever have to be worried about? Like, why would the past ever try to dictate me when God's truth has set me free? Put that in your Twitter account. (laughs) I don't have Twitter, but. That we know that Jesus is coming back is a huge promise. That we are living examples of of a real Lord who is returning for his people. And that gives us a whole lot of peace, doesn't it? So we don't have to worry about the humans that are in charge of this place. They rise and fall like any other thing else. But we have a Lord who's going to return, and that will be eternal. He is very close to those who's on, who, who honor him. This is the idea of, of restoring the presence of God. Those things where God turns away with the, with the way of, he writes about anger, and he's turning away, he's saying, this is the restoring of being very close. 
the presence of God will be close again. I know it doesn't feel that way right now, but know that he is close. Understand that he is close. Live your life as if he is close rather than far away. The decisions you make will change if you know that he is close all the time. That's an important thing to know and live out. A confidence of knowing that you are an adopted child of the king. That your status is one of of majestic majesty in God. It changes your reality. Peace and righteousness. We have this idea of, of peace and good standing with God and they come and kiss that good standing come and meet together. That we are in a right standing with God. And again, this gives us a confidence that shame and guilt and condemnation tries to steal, doesn't it? Because shame, guilt, condemnation, boy, you just become extremely insecure, right? Does God really love me? Does he really forgive my past? Is he really big enough to, to just forgive that stuff without me having to pay him back with all these good things that I do? When we understand that God's righteousness is ours in Christ, in Christ alone, we recognize, boy, it's not mine to, to lose. He gave it to me. I received it as a present, as a gift. It is mine. And your life will reflect that. The confidence you carry with you knowing that his righteousness is yours in Christ cannot be taken away because of some of the past fears and past things that you've done, they've been covered and are forgiven. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of confidence walking into a room, walking into a trial, walking into a a moment where that past comes screaming into my mind and saying, is God really big enough to forgive me? The lies are destroyed and truth reigns in our life once more. Again, this is how we get away from hypocrisy and things like, you know, just fraudulent living, because we live a life that's truth. It reigns in our life, and again, that's observable, because so many in this world see the believers of Christ as hypocrites, as people who are just religious. And the psalmist is saying, no, like, this is a life we live out the truth of the reality of this world, that there are times where you will not feel forgiven, but that doesn't dictate when you push, push into the Lord or when you pull away. We're always pushing in. And then he provides. The psalmist uses creation to show that he provides for his creation. In the same way he provides and we can observe the faithfulness of God once more, that this, this veil of shame is removed. And once again, we see clearly the faithfulness of God. In fact, we get, when we see through the end of it, we get another block that we get to add to our altar. That how we build these things is through pushing into him in the moments where we don't feel like it. In the moments where we don't realize that God is doing something in our lives that he wants to continue to build his legacy in you of how faithful he is for people to observe and see. But the generations to come will see a group of people that have altars of faithfulness in their lives that are walking examples of those altars of faithfulness that our children and grandchildren will look back and go, boy, that was a faithful group of people. 
that didn't let shame and guilt and condemnation, all the fears of uncertainty sway them away from pushing into the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's the legacy I want to live. That's the legacy I want to leave my kids, my grandkids. There's a legacy where they can look back like, I don't remember what he looked like, but I sure remember the faithfulness he had. So today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're struggling with this concept at all or if this is something you just got to put in your back pocket. But I just want to leave you with this, that if you're struggling with the feeling of forgiveness, if you're questioning God's grace is big enough to cover your sins of the, of the present or even the past, I hope you take this as a, a word from the Lord that says he is far bigger than anything you could imagine. That he is f- super capable of covering your sins to the place where they will have no power in your life anymore. Will you stand with me? I want to, I want to respond and pray. So you just bow your heads with me. You know, I don't know if anybody out there has, has never given their life over to the Lord, but this is the moment to do so. To seek forgiveness from the sins of the past. In, in Christ, you can be completely washed clean of your sins. That they will, as far as the east is from the west, God says, I remember them no more. We remember them. But God doesn't hold them against you. He doesn't remember them. That's all that matters. And so if you've never experienced this forgiveness, if you've never been able to, to say, Jesus, I, I, I give you my life You are my Lord and I want to be washed clean of sin. I just want you to raise your hand. That you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. Just raise your hand. Even online, in your living rooms, this is your time to give your life over to the Lord. To change, to see him change the circumstances in your life change your heart from rock into flesh. Father, we just pray for those who are giving their life over to the Lord. Father, we just pray Lord, that you will move in their hearts and minds right now. Establish a relationship with you. Lord, bring your righteousness, bring your peace. Give them a confidence knowing that they're in good standing with you because they believe you. They surrender to you. They know you and you know them. That you're looking at them. You're with them. Lord, stir in their hearts. Save their souls, God. And Lord, there's us who we've allowed our altars of remembrance to be covered up with the shame and guilt and condemnation of the past. We've pulled away instead of pushing in. I want to pray for those people right now, Lord. I just lift these people up to you. If that's you, if you feel comfortable, raise your hand. This is just a, a good acknowledgement of understanding, yes, I've, I've pulled away. 
I've allowed shame and guilt and condemnation to dictate my life, things of the past, and I want to push in. Lord, I just raise up these people to you. Lord, help them to remember your faithfulness today. That they are not the products of the past, but they are products of a new creation. Where your mercies are new every single morning. Lord, I pray that you will help them to push into you rather than pull away, rather than try to figure things out for themselves, but push into you through the hard times, through the times we don't feel forgiven. Remind them of the times that you were kind. Remind them of the times that you changed their circumstances. Remind them of the times where they knew they were forgiven. Help them to build the future on those remembrances of your faithfulness rather than those times where sin tried to control them. Lord, speak that to all of us. Help us in these moments to remember your faithfulness always. Because the hurts and pains of the past will try to rule over those moments where you've been faithful. And Lord, you want to take that back. You want to create us as altars in our lives, in these communities that we live in, as, as living sacrifices to you. So Lord, bless this pe- these people, bless this church. Lord, I pray that you continue to, to mold us and form us. Help us all to press into you during this time and not pull away. Not to let shame and guilt and anger and all these things that creep into our lives dictate our lives, but pushing into you, trusting you, following you, looking to you for our example as our, as, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our God. Keep our eyes fixated upon you in these moments because we want to see a faithful love revealed. We want to see you come and be our salvation again and again revealed to us that's observable and in our reality over and over again where we can look years into the future and look back and go, wow, look how God was faithful even in the moments where we weren't sure if he was. That's what we want, Lord. Help us, guide us, strengthen us in these times. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please let us know. We'll have people available. If not, have a great week.